Well, welcome to Grace Church this morning. I, I hope that you're already enjoying the worship and it'll continue to... Oh my goodness, there's my grandson. When I hear that pawpaw, boy, it just melts my heart. I know what you're thinking. You're just too young looking to be a grandpa. The rest of us, if you'll just take out this survey real quick, I'd like to do something real quick. Don't feel obligated, but you have to do this. I'd like you to just, we're going to do the first part of this real quickly, and then we'll come back to it here in just a minute. But I'd like you to put a couple suggestions, and this is, this is not a gimmick. We actually do look at this, and I file these away so that I can pull from them later. But I'd like you to put, I would be interested in hearing a message on what the Bible says about, and you just fill in a couple thoughts that come to you pretty quick. Everybody got that? Throw it up here if you got it. All right. There's three people that have one. So, all right, there we go. And if you just put those suggestions on, because a lot of times you kind of shoot and aim for the stars, and we just really want to be focused with our messages where people are living. And uh, so if you just write, that would help us out a lot. At the at the bottom of that page, you can also put down your name and the contact way, either an email or a number or something. And the reason I'm not going to abuse that at all, I'm not going to send you a bunch of stuff or anything like that. All I wanted to do that with, with that is so that when we do prepare the messages, I want to be able to give you a heads up that, hey, you know, your suggestion, we're taking your suggestion and we're going to prepare a message or a series with your suggestion in mind. And I can text you a heads up. That way you'll be sure to try and be here or bring somebody that you know that um, would be interested in that message or series as well. Okay, you can put that survey away for a little bit and we'll come back to it at the end. I want to thank, first of all, before we go any further, all the teams that have been helping us prepare for today, the children's ministry team. This, I say today, but they do this week in and week out. just want to thank you guys the children's ministry teams, the parking lot, the hospitality teams, the worship services teams, the administration team, food ministry team from last weekend, served a bunch of people uh, and uh, got to pray with a lot of people even in the parking lot yesterday. And just, I love being a part of touching people's hearts, don't you? So that's what this is about. So let's give it up for these great people that have been serving the last few weeks. And I love their hearts because all they want to do is just make things better. And that's what we try to do is just always trying to make things better. Okay, so I want to, first of all, introduce our topic. Uh, I, I kind of changed tracks in the middle of preparation. And, but a tourist was visiting a church in Germany and was surprised to see that there was, he looked up and he saw real high up on the, church steeple even higher than that he, he, up high on that steeple he saw this lamb that was carved out of wood on that steeple and he asked one of the people that went to church there he said why is that lamb up there so high up on that steeple and then he was told the story of what, where that that uh, carving came from he said that they were building the church and the guy was about two I guess it was two or three stories up and he fell off the scaffolding and so they rushed down to try to see what was going on. And they, sure, he fell onto the street. He's going to be dead. There's just no way. Well, they got down at the bottom of the 
of the church and they rush out into the street and the guy pops up and he's fine. He's just fine. He's just kind of brushing himself off. He said, how in the world did you make that fall? And he said, well, it just happened to be right when I fell, a flock of sheep going down the street and I fell on a lamb, squashed and smashed the lamb. Sorry, guys. But because the lamb broke his fall, he lived. So this is all going to be about sacrifice and who's been sacrificing in our lives and the main sacrifice in our lives. Animal sacrifice goes all the way back to the beginning. The story of Adam and Eve, you see it in the Garden of Eden. They make a mistake. You, you, we call it mistakes. It's sin. But Eve was deceived and then Adam disobeyed um, and immediately something happened. We don't really know exactly what happened, but apparently they weren't aware that they were naked before that. And then all of a sudden they're aware. So apparently there was something in them, some kind of glory that just didn't, it, it made it unaware of their nakedness. And then all of a sudden they see that they're naked. So they try to compensate for that with, with some giant leaves and all that kind of thing. And, and God says, that's not enough. You need you need skins, you need animal skins. And so we see the first slaughtering of animals because they had to, those animals had to give up those skins in order to clothe Adam and Eve. Fast forward a little bit further to another instance. And what we're going to see today is there's a, there's a progressive understanding of the prominence of sacrificial lamb. So we see a little fast forward a little bit to Abraham and Isaac. And Abraham... You may know this story. If you don't, then I'll just review it just real quickly. But Abraham and his wife Sarah were looking forward to having a child. They just couldn't have a child. And finally, they, they kind of messed things up. But eventually, through the years, they finally get this child. They name him Isaac, which means laughter. Because they were full of joy at this new baby boy that they had. He kind of grows up and he, it, it, the Bible calls him a lad. And a lot of times you see pictures of, of the lad Isaac and and it shows a, a boy about five or seven. That, that wasn't his age. The, the word lad in the Hebrew actually means that he was, uh, he's probably about 18. He's probably full, fully grown. We see this from the context of the story. He, he was probably 18 to 35. Once one notable scholar says, puts it right at 33. Puts it right at 33. So God speaks to um, Abraham and says, I, I want you to go to the land of Moriah and I want you to sacrifice your son. Abraham, the father of our faith, is an amazing person. He doesn't hesitate at all. He just starts packing up. My wife and I were talking about that, and she said, I don't know how he got him past Sarah. <laughs> Where are you going? Uh, going mountain climbing. <laughs> we'll be back in about a week. So he takes a three-day journey over to the land of Moriah, it's interesting where the land of Moriah is. It's the exact same place that is now later called the hills of Jerusalem. It's where the Temple of Solomon was built, exactly in that same area. Golgotha was in that same area. Calvary was in that same area, exactly. And Abraham takes him, he Puts, when they get to the foot of the hill, and it's my understanding, it's my, I may not be correct on this, you can't find it in Scripture, but you can't find that it's not, but I think it was the exact hill 
that was the place of the skull for the crucifixion. But he finds this hill, probably one of the foremost hills in the area, and he puts on his son Isaac all the wood that was going to be built in this sacrifice. And he, 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 so you know he's not a young person. You know he's not a five-year-old. He's got to be able to handle that and get it up that mountain. And so he, they're making their trek up the mountain. And Isaac says, well, I see the fire and I see the, the, the kindling. Where's the sacrifice? Get up to the top. Abraham sa says, God will provide. That's the first revelation that we have of Jehovah Jireh. And it's always a compound name in the Old Testament linked with Jehovah. The first time, really pay attention every time, the first time that is mentioned because it's a revelation of who God is. And it's all the way through the Old Testament. If he says, I am Jehovah, you understand him, he as the Lord, the created one, the, the, the one that was never created. That's what Jehovah means. And, and now a compound name, Jehovah the Provider. This is the first time we see that name, Jehovah the Provider. And it has to do with sacrifice. And so they, they ascend to the mountain. Abraham says, God will provide. Now you may have seen pictures. I used to look at pictures in Bible, picture, Bible, picture, Bible books with pictures in them. I like pictures. And uh, you know, I didn't read a lot, but I liked the pictures. And I just remember the pictures. It branded in my, in my memory that, you know, you see Abraham with Isaac bound on this altar. I'm like, Mommy? You know, why? What? And you see the picture, and you see his long knife, and you see Abraham raising his arm to plunge it into his heart. But that's not really what happened. The word sacrifice in the Hebrew actually means slit the throat. Abraham was so intent on following God and obeying him that he was ready to sacrifice, slit the throat of his own son. And of course, God arrested him and said, don't harm the child. Don't do it. I know now that you are willing to sacrifice your, he uses these words, only son. Your only son. And then at that moment, you hear a commotion in the bush behind, and Abraham and Isaac grab that ram that was caught in the thicket, sacrifice the ram. But here again, we see the sacrificial lamb, and we're going to see even more promise as we go through this. With each era of Scripture, and again, progressive revelation from the Old Testament all the way through to the New Testament, with each era and event, the biblical narrative really becomes clear of this sacrificial lamb and how important it is. You see, in Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and we, we come all the way down to Jacob's had 12 sons, and you might have known the story of Joseph second to last son. His brothers throw him in a pit and sell him to Egypt. And he goes to Egypt. And through that experience, he, you know, I'm, I'm like fast forward, you know, really quick here. But through the experiences with Joseph in Egypt, he, he, he had so many discouragement. Anybody ever had a discouragement? 
Read the story of Joseph. And he had discouragement after discouragement, disappointment after disappointment. And finally, he rose because God honored his attitude. God honored his faith. And he rose to the second in power, to the Pharaoh uh, in Egypt. And then God used him in miraculous ways. His brothers come down. There's a famine in the land. So they all come down. They join him there. To make a long story short, they all begin to grow. And the Israelites become multiplied. And the, this whole tribe of Abra starting with Abraham and Sarah, they begin to multiply. So there's thousands and thousands of Israelites now. And then there's a change of power, a change of Pharaoh. And this one is not as friendly as the last one. And pretty soon it's getting worse and worse for the Israelites. They become slaves. And then God raises up a deliverer. And his name is Moses. And Moses is raised up by God to deliver. And you can read this story in Exodus chapter 12 and 13. But amazing story of the ten plagues. Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no. Plague number one. So Moses returns after the plague to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no. Let my people go. No. Let my people go. No. Let my people go. No. Through nine plagues. And then the tenth plague. Moses comes to him and said, don't mess with God. That's a little bit my interpretation. But basically that's what he said, because now it's really going to hit. And Pharaoh says, no. That night, Moses instructs, his, instructs him, and then Moses instructs the people. He said, what I want you to do is I want you to take a lamb, and I want you to slaughter the lamb, and I want you to take hyssop, which is basically weeds, dip the hyssop in the blood and splatter it on the top of the doorpost and on each side. And this is where we get the Passover. Because whoever had that on the door, the blood on the door, the death angel would pass over and not harm the firstborn in that, in that home. Wherever the blood was not, whether it be Jew or Egyptian, it didn't matter. The firstborn would die. Because the blood is the only thing that protected. And then they begin to celebrate the Passover. After that, for 1,500 years, lambs would die. People were let go. They continued to celebrate that. To this day, they celebrate the Passover. And that's what our Christian version of the Passover is all about, too, as we'll get to here in just a second. By the time that Jesus arrives, when Jesus lived, lambs were already a central part of this culture. Thousands and thousands of lambs. And they were a part, they were so significant to the spiritual life of this nation and there really wasn't any reason to explain to kids what the importance of the lamb was because they all knew it they grew up with it so for centuries lambs had died for the sins of the nation inside the walls of the temple two lambs were sacrificed throats slit every single day one at nine o'clock in the morning 
one at three o'clock in the afternoon. And once the lamb had died from his throat being slit, then the chauffeur's horn was blown by the priest, signifying that the lamb had died for the sins of the people. Most of the people were not inside the temple at that time. They were just going about their business. But they knew from the ram's horn that was blown that, oh, there goes the horn. Our sins are covered. Our sins are covered. In addition to the daily, twice a day, sacrifice of a lamb, there was also the celebrations that they had every year, Jewish festivals, when multitudes of lambs were sacrificed. And the Passover was probably the most important event of all that everyone participated every year. And this is what is so awesome about this is that if you weren't in the temple, you couldn't really appreciate that lamb because you didn't see his throat slit. You didn't see him die. You just knew it and you went about your business and you were, of course, thankful probably. But the Passover made the sacrifice personal because at that time they would bring a lamb. And that lamb, because the culture, some of the people were well-to-do and they could buy lambs and others they would have to borrow or they would have other ways to compensate for it. But everybody had to have a sacrifice and most people had a lamb. It was the most important event of the time. And what the dad would do of the family, he would barter with the shepherd and buy lambs. And we got a live lamb coming up our way. He didn't want to go down the middle aisle, I guess. <laughs> this is so awesome. I didn't know how this was going to work or not, but we decided to try it. Oh, he's going to eat my speaker wire. All right. Does that make it personal or what? Jimmy? Um, you might want to protect your guitar. <laughs> Come on over here where people can see. That's beautiful. So, they would buy a lamb like this. Wagging their tails? I didn't know they wagged their tails. Does that mean they're happy like dogs? Means he wants to eat. <laughs> Means he wants to eat. <laughs> I see that. Hey, can I feed him a little bit? Okay. Woo! He's crazy. Wow. Here you go. This is great. So anyhow, they got the lamb and they got attached for a few days, wouldn't you? And especially with the kids, not those kids, the real kids, you know, they start petting them and they get attached. I think some of them probably tried to ignore the, the lamb because they know it's a condemned animal. 
And so they don't want to give their heart. They don't want to get attached. Because look at him. He's going to die in just a few days. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> You're going to be fine. Because Jesus is no longer, he's already taken it all for you. What is this right here? Is that? We just had little things like bleeding. Oh, that's cool. Can you stay up here just a little bit longer? This is just throwing my train of thought. I'm just so cool. Um, so they get attached. And then in a few days, they have to take the lamb, slit his throat, and it became, and slit his throat. <laughs> oh. And every child, every mom, every dad knew that that meant that sins were covered. Sins were covered. Amazing. Give them a big hand. Thank you for me. Afterwards, you can take pictures with the lamb and feed him. There's probably enough milk up here that you could feed him with too. I want to read a couple passages from Isaiah. And hopefully that we kind of get a hold of what it meant for personal sacrifice. Isaiah 53, I'm just going to run through these. Tori, kind of hang with me if you can. Taylor. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we're talking about what was prophesied years before. And he describes himself in Isaiah 50, verse 6. 6 I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull, my beard, pull out the beard. And I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. Now the thing about you saw in that lamb was his innocence. That's probably the most prominent thing about this lamb is how innocent he is. And that's who Jesus is. He was completely innocent. And none of this makes sense. None of this makes sense. Except to teach us the way God sees things. God had to judge sin. God had to take our evil. And he had to do it with somebody that wasn't just completely man because we're all evil. We got, I'm not saying that we're all bad. I'm just saying that we're all tainted. We're all contaminated. Have you ever lied? Have you ever stolen? Have you ever, you fill in the blank. We're all contaminated. There's not one of us that's not. It had to be, the lamb had to be perfect. That lamb had to be without blemish. Almost like the one that was just brought to us. Just perfect. Innocent. It had to be perfect. This sacrificial lamb had to be perfect. Jesus had no sin whatsoever. Oh. Listen to these words. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace. For us he suffered. For our sins he was wounded and crushed. And he took upon himself the punishment due us. He didn't have any sin of his own. He took all of it for us. Incredible. And understand it more clearly. Whoever this lamb would be, as Isaiah was prophesying, 
It was for mankind that he was like a lamb led to slaughter. And like a sheep that before his shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. They took that lamb. He didn't know what was going to happen. They took the knife and slit. He didn't. He was innocent. And verse 6 explains, All we like sheep have gone astray and have turned away everyone to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him, as a covenantal term, laid on him, laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's exactly what they did with the lambs. And then he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of the people. And that's what they would do with the lamb. They would, they would kill one, and then the other one they would lay hands on, and he would be put out into the wilderness to die. Isaiah prophet, the prophet included in his prophecies this idea in his writings about the Messiah, the sin-bearer. And he said he would be like a lamb led to slaughter. And finally, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many. Okay, now I'm going to bring it into the New Testament. We're going to see this continue. Just hang with me just a couple more minutes. John the baptizer had one foot in the Old Covenant, and then he had one foot in what God was doing in the current. And it, he was the transitional figure. Jesus called him the greatest prophet that ever was. He, he was greater in his service than Isaiah, than, than Ezekiel, than Jeremiah. He was, he was the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. And he was committed to preparing the way for the Savior, the Lamb. He himself did not know that Jesus was the Lamb until a certain moment. And he was baptizing people, getting them ready. They were repenting of their sins and they were getting right with God as some of our modern terminology would put it. And he's baptizing in the River Jordan. And these men and women and children were, were being baptized by John. And then the religious gurus of that day came to test him and they came to question him. and said, why are you doing this baptism? And he, he explained all this. And, and finally he just said, well, he, the one who's coming is standing among you. The next day, they come back. And Jesus comes to John the Baptist and comes towards him. And as he's making his way towards Jesus in the river while he's baptizing, Jesus looks up and he said, Behold! The Lamb of God! His eyes were immediately open. He hadn't seen it before. It's his own cousin. He couldn't see it before that moment. He saw the Holy Spirit descend upon him like a dove. He said, Behold, the Lamb of God. He's the one. He's the one. He's the Lamb. He's not just going to die. He's going to be slaughtered for us. Behold. Oh, guys, we've got to have that same attitude. Behold. Oh, Jesus, the Lamb. I was lost in my sin. And the Lamb came to die for me. Are you getting it? That's how much He means to us. Oh, and John, his eyes were open. He said, here's the Lamb who will die for us. And 
And, and John says something that is so amazing. He says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away, that's a covenantal term, takes away the sin of, get this, of the world. Not one lamb's throat slit in the morning, another one in the evening for that day, for the sins of that day. Not a festival of lambs being slaughtered for a nation of people, but one lamb, one sacrifice for the entire world. That's who this lamb is. So here's what happened. They came in the night. Disciples were sleeping. They came for Jesus in the cover of darkness while he had been in prayer. He fought with it internally and he committed to the will of God. He knew what was going to happen. He didn't res resist at that point because lambs don't resist. And for the next eight hours from 2 a.m. till 10 o'clock in the morning, he went through six trials, three Jewish trials and three Roman trials. And every one of the Jewish trials, they condemned him as guilty. Every one of the Roman trials, he was exonerated as innocent. And then something really strange happened. There was a man named Barabbas who was condemned because of his thievery and his sins and his, and his, and his uh, crimes. He was condemned to die. And there was a substitute. Remember Isaac. Remember the ram in the bush. Remember Mount Moriah is happening in the same exact area. And God gave over His only Son to be brutally handled, to be tortured to death. And Barabbas went free. And I read that, I read this as a kid, and I still read it today, and I think, God, how? Jesus, for Barabbas. And I think, pure, honest, beautiful Jesus, innocent, for guilty, filthy Barabbas. And I'm thinking, how can it... I am Barabbas. You are Barabbas. He was substituted so that we could be free. Oh, thank God for the ram that was caught. Thank God for the sacrifice of the innocent lamb. Behold the lamb that set you free. Behold the lamb that lives inside now. Behold the Lamb. Everybody say it. Behold the Lamb. Say it again, please. Behold the Lamb. Oh, God's so good to us. Send His Son. A couple more thoughts. Paul's revelation of the Lamb of God is really brief. He hardly says anything. These are the epistles. These are the, these are the, these are the writings that change the whole Western world. This is amazing. And he just says, basically, well, he's, he's talking about some other things to the, the port city of Corinth. He's just talking, writing some things that help them in their development, their spiritual journey. And then uh, he just says, for Christ, our Passover lamb has been crucified. And he just goes on. 
for Christ, our Passover lamb, has been crucified. And the brevity of that is what's so powerful. Because Paul was pretty wordy. He's pretty lengthy with his comments. And he just said, the lamb. The lamb. What else do you need to hear? What else can you say? He's the one. He's the one. He made such an assumption that there was a clear understanding of what the lamb and what the sacrifice means. That you can't get saved on your own. That you need a sacrificial lamb. And that lamb was Jesus as he was foretold he would be. We don't need any more. That's what we needed. And that's who he is. And Peter agrees. He says, you were ransomed from your futile ways. Inherited from your forefathers. Not with perishable things of silver and gold. But with the precious blood of Christ. Like that of a lamb. Without blemish or spot. So when you purified yourself. And be obedient and love one another deeply from the heart. And then we come into the final book of the Bible. We know it as the Revelation. I want to give you the greatest miracle that ever happened or ever will happen. Each innocent lamb that was sacrificed for 1,500 years, thousands, probably millions of lambs that were sacrificed, not one of them got up again. John was the closest disciple of Jesus. He learned from him face to face. After he died, he pastored for a while in Ephesus. And then, because he got in trouble with the authorities, they banished him to an island. And then he received this revelation. Incredible what happened here in this revelation. But he's watching this unfold in the corridors of heaven. And he sees this scroll in the hand of God. And nobody can open that scroll. And John goes crazy with it. He starts to weep. And you wonder, is he just frustrated that he doesn't know what's in the scroll? No, the purposes of God are laid out in that scroll. And nobody can open. Nobody's worthy. And then he says these words. And I'm, I'm just going to read through them. And I'd just like you to listen to them. This is the revelation that John had. He said, Then I saw at the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. And I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. And he is able to open up the scroll and his seven seals. And then I saw a lamb. And then I saw a lamb. It's all the way through Scripture from the beginning to the end. The Lamb of God. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain standing at the center of the throne encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The Lamb had seven horns and seven eyes of which are the seven spirits of God sent out. I have no idea what all that means. But he goes on to say, He went out and took the scroll from the right hand of Him who sat on the throne. And when He had taken it from the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. And each one had a harp and they were holding 
golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy. Take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God. Persons from every tribe, that's you and me, from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. And then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands. And this is what we're going to see, guys. And 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice. And they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And I heard every creature in heaven and earth and under the earth and, under, and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. Jimmy, would you come? The song of heaven is this. According to Revelation 5.13, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. What made the difference? The greatest miracle that ever took place. A Lamb that was slaughtered got up and He's alive. If you do one more thing with me, if you'll take out that survey again. There's letters A, B, C, and D on it. And I'd like you to circle one of these for A. If this is you, I have already put my trust in Jesus Christ. I'm in a real and growing relationship with God. Doesn't mean it's perfect. It just means that you've already started it. You've already put your trust in Jesus Christ. You know He's living in your heart. Then just circle A. And for B, I'm beginning to trust in Jesus Christ today or I'm beginning again to walk with him maybe you've been away and you're coming back to him and this is a great time to do it in Easter Sunday you know this is a time where we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ and it's a it's a day to celebrate your resurrection because you're coming back to power resurrection power and you don't want to stay away from power God will help you in every one of these God will help if you it's like man I just don't really understand what it means to have faith. Well, I'm going to pray with you here in just a minute. We're all going to pray together. And if that's you on A, that, that yeah, that's good, then you just help us pray. If that's you on B, then you're just beginning. We'll, we'll, we're in this together. We're, we're walking in this together. And then if it's C, I'd like to consider a bit more longer, you know? I, I need some more time to think about what I'm doing. That's fine. I want to pray for you too, though. And then if you got the guts, circle D. I don't intend to make a decision to follow Jesus Christ. I just want to know that you understand the ramifications of what you're deciding. It is extremely important what you decide. Your beliefs are extremely important. So if you got the guts, put that there. And hopefully, uh, well, I'll, I'll say this. You may not like it, but I'm going to pray for you. And we have a prayer team. We're going to pray for you. We're just going to pray for you because sometimes, and we do this survey every year, sometimes D will move up. Doesn't have to. It's completely non-obligatory it's totally your decision but I'm praying that well I'm not I'm not in this I'm I'm a D this year maybe next year you'll be a C and then you'll you'll consider it more maybe you just jump on up to A and and you receive Christ that's my hope that's I'll just I'll just be real clear with you that's my hope I want every one of us to go to heaven when we die
I want us all to enjoy this life with the Lamb of God. Right? Let's stand and we're going to sing this together. If you'll just circle those and, and leave them with us in the, in the back. Um, the offering today is just... Guys, it's just an honor to be able to serve you. It's just an honor to be able to have a church where we, we come together to serve each other and to serve our community. And if you want to support that with your financial giving, man, you can't outgive God. It says in the scripture that he'll, if you give, he'll give back to you and it'll come through people, but he's the one behind it. So um, we just want to honor him. Let me pray over us and then we'll sing. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for those people that are the A's. They have already given their heart to you. And I thank you that, they, that you live inside of them. And I pray for the bees. Lord, that you are beginning a new work in them. And, and this is a day that they're, they're, they're either for the first time saying, Jesus, come into my heart. I give you my life. Or they're coming back to a walk with you to know you on a deeper level and to follow you obediently the rest of their lives. And I pray that you'll give them courage and strengthen that commitment. And I thank you, Father, for people stepping in from death to life today. And I pray for those that are C, that they're just considering, you know, they're, they're not really given this enough time. They thought that they've had it all figured out, but Maybe some things that were said today have, well, maybe challenged or, or not even challenged, but made them think about some things. And you're a C. I, I want to pray for you, and I just thank you, God, for touching those at Circle C today. And I thank you, Father, for leading each one into a deeper understanding, a fuller understanding of what you claim. Not what people say. Not what people have told them, but what you really say. Bring truth to the people at Circle C. And those who circle D, God, I pray right now that you make it very clear the ramifications of their choices, their decision. And I pray that you will send people into their lives that will bring your truth, your light, your love, and your care. And bring an understanding and a revelation of who you are. I thank you, God, for doing that. In Jesus' name. Amen.